Today's reading is from Genesis, the second and third chapters. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may eat freely of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eye, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Word of God. Thanks, Vicki. I just finished reading The Giver by Lois Lowry. Has anyone read this book? Yeah, we got some hands out there. The story takes place in communities that were formed to be reg regulated and contained. The heart and the essence of the community was around sameness to ensure safety and uniformity. Babies were born by assigned birth mothers and cared for at child care centers until they were the age of one when they were ceremonially named and placed within family units. Each family unit consisted of two adults who were assigned to each other based on their complementary skills and attributes. Family units could have no more than two children and each member received an injection each day to prevent 
desires or feelings. Life was controlled and literally lived in black and white. If you see the movie, the book is better than the movie, but if you see the movie, it's in black and white. At age 12, you were assigned a vocation for life based on how the community had watched you over your childhood and what your abilities were. You would then be trained for your assigned work for life. If you chose not to follow the rules or if you made a mistake, you would be released into a place called elsewhere. Now, I thought of this book as we begin this time of the Old Testament because I know oftentimes these Old Testament stories and maybe most especially these early stories in the book of Genesis hold images for us. We've heard them when we were young, whether it be in Sunday school or in little Bibles, or we have um, heard them through our families, told and retold. And for some reason, there's little things in these stories that stick out to us, and we have a fixed message in our mind. And I know in this story of creation, there's often a message for us about this regulated, perfect world that God creates. We hear it called a paradise in the Garden of Eden. And then Adam and Eve come along, and they're lured into listening to this evil snake who entices them to make a bad decision, to eat the shiny red apple on the tree that they were not supposed to eat. And then immediately they realize that they're naked, God got mad and released them from the garden into this cruel world to now fend for themselves. One of the reasons why we take this big, long metascope of the Old Testament is we need to hear again these stories. Sometimes we have messages in our mind and to hear and dwell in them again to say, how is God speaking into this today? And what these Old, story, Old Testament stories do, everyone, they tell us the truth about us, about humankind, and they also tell the truth about God. Now there's two connected creation stories in Genesis, chapter 1 and chapter 2, each revealing unique angles on God, our creator. Although we're not focusing on chapter 1 today, we first need to dispense with this notion of God creating a perfect world. God's spirit hovered over the darkness and breathed into it over the darkness and chaos to create land, sky, sea, animals, human light, and vegetation. And after each creative act, God said, this is good. He never said, this is perfect. And in chapter 2, we hear that humans were formed from the dust of the earth. The divine breath, the breath of life, was breathed into the dust to form humankind. All of us were made from the soil of the earth in which we come and then given reign over all creatures, and we were called to till and keep the earth. This is our assigned called work. This is our vocation. Not simply to care for ourselves, but for everything in the earth, 
all of God's creation. It's a call that's embedded as God creates the world. And so God opened up the garden to enjoy and experience the color, the smell, the sound, the touch. But God said to the man and woman, you need to trust me. And I need to tell you this. You have permission for everything, but there's one tree in which you cannot eat. This is the tree of knowledge of, God, of good and evil. It's off limits. If you eat or touch this tree, you shall die. I created you. Trust me. And then that conniving snake, the one that we always think of as the devil, but it's not the devil at all. It's actually simply one of God's created creatures, although in this story, the snake talks. And he likes to reason away, like so many voices in our world, on why we should actually put, push the limits of God. And isn't this so true? You take a toddler to the park and you point to him and say, because of your age, play on this little play area, the one with the shorter slide, the safer steps, and the more open tunnel so I can see you. And he, of course, immediately runs over to the big one with the three curly slides and the rock wall. And you know those days when you're really trying just to eat lean meats and vegetables because you know it's good for you? It's in those days that about 11.30, you are craving that deluxe grilled cheese sandwich, and you can't stop thinking about that warm caramel roll coming out of the oven. Our desire for more, our desire for the things that we think we should have to push the limits, to reason away, to want knowledge more than trust, to rebel against God, it's in our DNA. It's part of the created order. And then man and woman decide to eat this apple, which looks so delicious and appealing. And I have to note here, I have to read this text. She took of the fruit and ate and gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. This verse has often been misinterpreted to justify why women should not be given full access to leadership in many arenas, including the church. So I want you to note today that both the man and the woman ate the fruit. But did you notice that they did not immediately die when they ate of the fruit? Rather, their eyes were open to see fully what they had not noticed before. They were naked and they needed clothes. If we read on into chapter 3, God indeed moved Adam and Eve out from the garden, but not into some elsewhere but out into the world, the created world, to continue to till and keep the garden. But God did not abandon them. Even in their human brokenness, he called them back into relationship to trust again in the God who created them. Now back to the giver, Lowry's book. When Jonas, the lead character, turns 12, He's not assigned, he's selected to be the next receiver. 
he will receive all the memories and feelings of the community. All of the brokenness, the pain, and also the love. He will receive from the current elder receiver who is now called to be the giver. The giver knows that Jonas's work will be both painful and beautiful. And as Jonas continues to receive the memories and feelings, his life has changed. He realizes all that he has not yet experienced. He cannot live in a community who's shaped in uniformity and control because living like this means that they miss the opportunity to see the beauty in the brokenness, to experience the world in its fullness and its diverse beauty. In its attempt to control and limit, the community has been shielded from pain, but it's also missed the feelings of love, of joy, of hope. Each and every one of these stories in the Old Testament point to God's faithfulness, our human limitations, but yet even in the inadequacy that we have been created to love, to till and keep the garden, and to not worry about ourselves, but to give of ourselves for the sake of others and this world that God creates. And in this gift of life, to see in color, to live in color, to experience the fullness, the complexity, the vastness of the world and all of its people. So where does this word of God come to you today? For all of it as a community, I think it is for us to hear about a God who is indeed both the giver and also the breather of life. He takes the dust of the earth with all its grit and its smudges, its stains, its richness and complexity, and he breathes into it life. We can't ever forget this. In the midst of darkness, of suffering, in our division in this world, God continues to breathe life into the dust. This world isn't created in black and white to be controlled, but rather to be lived in its fullness, its complexities, trusting in the one who brought it into existence and who invites us to continue to recreate with him. It is a promise that comes through creation and it dwells incarnate in our free will to desire knowledge rather than trust God. It still comes and it's calling us today and inviting us into God's ongoing creation for the world. Let it be so. Amen. Please stand as we sing.